Welcome to In the Wake with Whitley. Here on this podcast, we cover mental health, life lessons, mindset growth, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. This is a trigger warning to preface this episode. This episode may include explicit content, graphic details, or heavier, sensitive, and mature topics. We may discuss sexual assault, rape, abuse, and trauma. Listen at your own risk and take precaution if you are suffering or recovering from abuse, rape, or sexual assault. The following episode could contain such content. The last thing I would want is for this episode to trigger or provoke negative thoughts or feelings. Please practice self-care by choosing to listen in doses, listen with a trusted friend, or skip this episode entirely. All right, I am back here today with a new guest with me, and we met on a podcasting platform and connected, and I checked out his podcast, and I was super intrigued with the different topics he covered, and I'm super excited to have him here today and get to know him alongside the rest of you all. So I will let you introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and what is your story? Oh, hi everyone. My name is Antonio Myers. I'm a person who loves having the gift of autism. I I graduated number one in my high school class and I'm a part of the disability advocacy world. I've done two graduation speeches, able to get a college degree, and I have traveled the world multiple times. That's awesome. So we're going to kind of dive into autism and the different stigmatized beliefs around that and your experiences. So let's start off with those stigmas. What do you believe are the biggest myths, misunderstandings, or just ignorant beliefs that people have regarding autism? And maybe why are these things not accurate? Well, a lot of people believe that if you have autism, then somehow you have a deficit in intelligence. And they think that if you're autistic, you can't have a robust social life, that you have an inability to have enjoyable interpersonal relationships. And they think that because you're autistic and somehow you're, for lack of better wording, a freak show. And none of those things are true. They're all falsehood. Where do you think those misunderstandings come from? It comes from a world that doesn't value education as much as it should, because a lot of people think facts and stereotypes are the same things, and they are clearly not. Mm -hmm. Being put into a box or a Mm -hmm. label is not fun at all. Right. Because I think... Sometimes then people expect you to act a certain way or show up a certain way and that just might not be true or your experience. Right. And another stereotype people have is that if you're autistic, then 
you're automatically asexual. That isn't true. It's okay, you know, for people to be asexual. But the majority of people who are on this autistic spectrum, we are sexual. Right. We're also sensitive lovers because of how our brains are wired. I'll give only three examples. Sound, movement, and security of whether we're just as pleasing to them as they are to us. They were compassionate even in the acts of intercourse. Right. So how have these stigmas or just shame in general around autism played a part in your story? I was diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder at the age of two. And because I wasn't speaking the way that wanted me to at that time, you know, the experts were saying, you're not talking to strangers. My parents told me not to. So they found fault in me, whether knowingly or unknowingly, that I was just being obedient to my mother and father. Right. And so at the age of four, they were still complaining that I wasn't talking on their time. Even though we all have diversification of when and how we do things at our own Mm -hmm. times and speeds. And so shortly after that, I started talking. And once I started talking, the lawsuit was filed by my parents on behalf of me, along with the actual experts, not the ignorant ones. And I was able to win the lawsuit and they had to pay for my special private education until the day I graduated top of my high school class. And they were making me feel like I was compared to a lifeless vegetable. I was compared to a somebody with little to no success opportunities. That hurt me. So do you mind me asking about the lawsuit? Was that against the doctors for like a misdiagnosis? It was about them not wanting to live up to the end of their bargain on the Americans Disabilities Act. You're supposed to provide appropriate public education and they were being deceptive and saying that they could, but obviously they could not. That has still been a problem. And nothing much has changed since 1997. So in 24 years, they're still lagging behind and properly educating students like myself. Mm-hmm. And what are they lacking in that education? If you could reform it, what would you add in there? I would not have the classes be so big. Can students really get the specialized help they need? I have problems with the term special needs special education because isn't our needs unique to us because we're unique so insulting and so I would say we all need our own unique attentiveness, our own unique learning styles because that's another issue. There's three learning styles. Visual. I need to see you right on the chalkboard so I can learn. Auditory. As long as you speak coherently, I can learn what you're saying. Mm-hmm. In aesthetic, I have to touch and feel to process information. Right. So I would introduce those models and try my best to popularize. Yeah, I think the education system as a whole needs to be reformed because if you don't fit into the mold of how things work, then you're going to struggle through school and you're going to think something's wrong with you. When in reality, you're just as smart and you're just as intelligent as the other kids, but your needs aren't being met and you're not able to learn in the way that works best for you. Right. I agree. I remember I couldn't go to most schools because of what I was labeled. Mm -hmm. I have a painful story. I was almost finished my Harvard University application. 
Mm -hmm. I was at the table. I was about to finish my essay for it. I pretty much answered every question I said to myself, okay, I'm going to start with the I believe. If they don't work out, then I'll do the HBCUs. If they don't work out, I'll do the other universities. Right. So my parents walked through the door and they're asking me what I was doing. I said, oh, I'm about to apply to go to Harvard. I was about to conclude the essay. You had to write it as a way to possibly get admittance and entrance. My parents had to look at me. Something was wrong. I thought, okay, just because they will miss me, that's understandable. So I said, <laughs> oh, y'all must be missing me already. Right. And they explained to me how education doesn't service people like myself in this country. And for a while, I felt like I can't go to school. Mm -hmm. That was my dream to go to college. I love college and the idea of having more to learn. I remember I was limited to mostly two-year schools. And I was like, no, I need a four-year because for what I want to do in life. I want to do human services work. I want to help out psychologically. And I needed to go to school for what I wanted to do. I was able to only get into very little amount of schools. But I was able to go to college, the nation's only four years program for students with learning differences. So it's bittersweet on that one. So do you mind me asking your relationship with your family or your loved ones, how they have treated you because of your autism and have they kind of played into those stigmas or have they supported you and pushed you to break beyond those boxes? My family didn't know I had autism until I graduated college. My parents knew, of course, but everybody else was shocked, like, how? They just couldn't understand all my accomplishments, and they had no idea. I always assumed that they knew, but they didn't want to say anything to not mm -hmm. be offensive, but they're like, we didn't even know. Wow. They were at my graduations, and learning differences and spectrums were talked about but yeah that's what happened <laughs> interesting so i know we messaged beforehand talking about our stories that i'm a survivor myself would you like to share your encounters of abuse and of course if there's anything you're uncomfortable with you don't have to share and i know this is a sensitive and sometimes hard topic to talk about well i feel that there are people who are listening who need this to be shared there's a relationship between disability labels and trauma, abuse, and autism in my case. Victim of gang and solo rape under the age of 10. Ugh, that's horrible. Yeah. So what has healing and recovery looked like for you after those things? Therapy, psychologists, a recovery center life coaching, life skills groups. A weekend stay at a psychiatric hospital. And that's how I was able to heal, talk therapy, group therapy. I'm a big advocate for therapy. Good. So do you still experience lingering triggers or trauma from that abuse? Yes. I made a decision not to go to certain environments because of it. I feel like if I have to mightily struggle with post-traumatic stress then that's an environment not worth being in for me i've learned that you can't do everything with everybody case in point i watch movies other people watch movies the way they watch movies not the way i watch the movie so that may trigger my 
post-traumatic stress. I don't go to certain people's homes anymore because of it. I don't go to certain establishments anymore. You have to pick and choose how you socialize with other people. can't do every social scenery because you would be false to yourself if you did. Something I just recently taught myself. I said, okay, people don't have to be toxic for you not to be around them. Even though I am a firm advocate in not having toxic relationships, if you can help it, cut the ties. But people don't have to be toxic for you to compartmentalize them appropriately speaking. Yeah. And those are those personal boundaries that you set for yourself to Mm -hmm. yourself safe and feeling good. Right. So going back a little bit to maybe the stigmas or ignorant beliefs, let's talk about language and terminology around autism. I know Mm -hmm. you mentioned like special education or the word disability. How do you feel about those things? And maybe what would you suggest people use in place of them? So the R word is a no, no, of course, Mm -hmm. but I've been called every name and slur that you can refer to a person on any spectrum. Mm-hmm. I would say X language is good before you use it. Yeah. I think you should do that with people spectrums and non-spectrums. Yeah, just call me on my birth certificate. That's, yeah. that's me. Your entire identity isn't being someone with autism. You're just right. Yeah, and I see autism as a gift and not a disability. I call it my super blessing. And I don't have any religious connotations when I use that word. I use it to mean that it's a talent, it's a strength, it's ability and a capability. These are all good things. Right. Because perception can be the biggest disability out there. Do you want to expand on that? If I misperceive someone that's extraordinary, someone cursed, like in my case, then often we miss out on the beauty of the person because we we see them incorrectly. Ah, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> that's very wise. <laughs> We're welcome. All right. So I'm sure you've been through a lot because of people's expectations around someone with autism and their limiting beliefs or their ignorant beliefs around it. So how have you defied those expectations? Do you feel like at some point or any point in your life, those held you back or discouraged you in any way? I was made to feel like I had deficits in math and speech and language, nonverbal, but I've always been an outstanding math student. I've won a rhetorical contest and people clearly understand me when I speak. And also people have acknowledged that I'm good at understanding their body language. I'm gifted in being perceptive that way had to defend myself and my friends verbally, never non-verbally. We kept each other from violence because we would get tempted because people would make fun of us, but yeah. we would stand up for each other verbally and avoid yeah. certain people because of how mean they were acting. I wasn't able to apply to Harvard to fully answer that question, so I couldn't apply to any more schools. I can't work in most jobs. Like I've been applying for jobs two, three years, and a lot of rejection letters, so that's discouraging. I'm in a housing program, and it's a lottery type. I never liked the lottery system of people's needs. I remember noticing that when it came to Waiting for Superman, it's a movie that's about education reform. 
came out in 2010, but I saw it during my college years. And you had this lottery system of education. And whoever it lands on, the number, that's who got to go to the high-performing school. And you had kids who couldn't go to that school. So you saw a mixture of elation and melancholy. Mm-hmm. And that really hurt. And so to do that with housing that I'm having to deal with, I'm happy that I have my need met, but I'm also unhappy because other people don't have their needs met. Like, what is up with gambling with people's necessities and human needs? That right. is atrocious and appalling to me. Or capitalizing on those human needs. Which yes. is kind of gross. It's sick profit. It is. Thank you. So do you feel like because people hold those those stigmatized beliefs, do you feel like that's the reason why you're getting rejected by jobs? Because they just have these preconceived beliefs about your abilities and they don't even get to know you or give you a chance. Like I got one this morning. I had to delete it. I was so pissed off. To be honest, I felt like shit because of it. To me, it was just fucked up. And so they're like, well, your resume and qualifications and background are impressive. We found a better suited candidate. Mm, what I'm the sorry. Hell? Oh, my damn. Yeah, I'm sure that's really disappointing and frustrating. I still apply because I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to hide my label to cater to hard-hearted people. Because you have so many people who don't want to pay for accommodations. Yeah. I'm like, Labels don't mean you should be robbed of income. I'm a person. That's all the logic needed. And they'll go, well, that means specialized ramps or specialized equipment and specialized toolboxes. And we'd rather not pay for all that because we're just cheap. And plus, they have this perfect human complex. Yeah. You have to be neurotypical because anything other than that means that we actually have to take the time to care and be in sensitivity courses and we'd rather not. This greed culture, this attraction of greed, I will never understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a lot of the workers aren't treated as human beings with needs and emotions. and Right. And to share my accomplishments, because I want people to know that autism is a good thing. High school baccalaureate, college graduate. I've traveled to Italy, Croatia, Slovenia, London, England. I've done two graduation speeches, commencement ones, 14 and 23. I've done basketball, track, softball, 4.11 grade. Human services is my major. My minor was psychology. Oratorical contest I've won. I was appointed by Mayor Muriel Bowser in D.C. to be a part of the State Rehabilitation Councils when we actually advise people on the best ways to help with the job and housing related and any other disability needs in the district. I also got a certificate in being a designated disability services provider. So those are my accomplishments. Wow, that's amazing. So it sounds like you have defied the boxes and the labels that you were put in academically and you were thriving in school. Do you feel like the only thing that was giving you a hard time in school were your peers and like bullying or maybe those limiting beliefs and ignorant beliefs that people held about you? 
I did not feel appreciated a lot of places I went. I recently deconverted from religion. That's layman's terms for I don't practice any religion anymore. I say mm -hmm. that love is my religion. I love that. Thank you. I practice a secular spirituality. I consider myself a humanist. Even though I'm not a religious bigot, I say that because I can't assume that other people know what I mean because this religion is a very highly contested topic. I notice that abuse survivors aren't treated well in houses of worship, yeah. which is very much the same in society. I've done my research and talked to other fellow survivors, so that's how I'm able to come to those conclusions. And I just couldn't take it anymore. I just decided, one, I just can't do black and white thinking because mm -hmm. life is shades of gray, gray area more than everything else. And it's easier to love people and to have everybody belong Personally, for me, when I have people just know that I'm hospitable to you and I don't just include you, that's what belonging means to me. Whatever you have to say and feel, there's no harsh judgment. It's all accepting and yeah. caring. So that's why I did that for me, because love has no religion. I resonate with that so much. And that was my experience as well, being an abuse survivor and growing up in a highly conservative and high demand religion. And I've also stepped away from that. I really love your beliefs. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Through everything you've been through, what has been your biggest takeaway or lesson learned from the different experiences you've experienced in life? Boundless optimism. I believe being a servant leader, I don't wait to be asked to take wise initiatives to do positive things. I take it upon myself to do it. I love human rights. I learned something really profound. When you're abused, your human rights are violated. So I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so into it. And that's why I decided to podcast because I'm a doer. In order to be more a part of this human rights movement I'm a part of, the first thing you got to do is start talking because that means people have you in mind to do justice projects. So I yeah. talk to do more than talk. Because I'm a doer, not to talk. I actually want to be in the long term. I'm not a quitter. And I've been writing my book series. It's an autobiographical Ooh. series of me communicating with my grandma, who's transitioned. And I learned it's a helpful activity for grief and healing processes to update the persons if they're still physically here. That's amazing. <laughs> wow, I'm so happy to hear that. And I can tell just speaking to you that you are a very, you know, ambitious person. And it's amazing to see what you've done. And now that we've connected, see what you continue to do. So I'm just amazed by you and super proud of you. Thank you. And that's why I believe in oneness and wholeness. Basically, if I acknowledge your human needs, I acknowledge my own. That means I treat you well, you treat me well. Yeah. And we inspire each other to treat ourselves well. So that's what all that means. I'm versions of you, versions of me. That's what I live by. I love it. So I love to ask, if you could go back to your childhood self, what would you tell your younger self? Actually, I had to do that in therapy session. My therapist had me talk to my five-year-old self, and all I could say to that inner child, because that five-year-old is still in here, yeah. that playfulness and goofiness, I would just say, you are worthy of protection and safety. I say this much more often. 
Like, Whitley, I feel safe with you, and I can okay. tell you feel safe with me. Mm -hmm. And that's important for survivors to feel safe and protected by each other. Yeah. <laughs> and some people don't have that privilege of feeling safe and supported. And so being able to offer that up is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I tell people that when I hey, I feel safe with you, and they really get touched. Because mm -hmm. we take it for granted. Well, not us survivors, but the rest of the world who haven't survived, they tend to take it for granted that mm -hmm. the safety you have, that's gratitude. Because there are people like us who haven't had the safety we need all our lives. At one point, we yeah. could unfortunately remember that shortage. Yeah. All right. So to kind of wrap up, mm -hmm. what do you want listeners to take away from this episode? And what would you say to someone struggling right now? The most healing words you could ever say to a person is, I'm with you and I'm beside you. Mm, I'm not beautiful. ahead of you. I'm not behind you. I'm alongside you. I love that. So if people want to reach out, connect with you, work with you, where can they find you? Highly praiseworthy Grace Mayer. That's what my name actually means in Tony Ray Myers. That's my Instagram, highly praiseworthy Grace Mayer. You can find my name in Tony Myers on Twitter and Facebook. Just look for my face. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I will have those linked in the show notes for anyone that's interested. Music has been super healing and powerful in my own life. So I just want to ask you, do you have a song recommendation, a song that deeply resonates with you and your story? I've been listening to this group called Chic. S-H-I-C. I love that group. Their songs I listen to are I Want Your Love and My Feet Keep Dancing. Why do you pick those songs in particular? Because I love to dance and I do desire compassionate love in my life. That's beautiful. Well, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you, your story, and, and your voice. Thank you for your voice, too. I've been tremendously amazed at your platform as well, Whitley. Yes, anyone check out his podcast. That will also be linked. Thank you. <laughs> All right, that's all we have for you guys today. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.